In today's episode of the Student Centered World Podcast, I get to chat with Christy Hartley, a 61 years young teacher from New Mexico who is also one of our Passion for Progress students. In our conversation, we go over all kinds of things that she's been doing in the classroom this year, how things have been going, and of course, how she has been dealing with teaching during a global pandemic. She's got a lot of great ideas, and I think you will get a lot of great information out of this. Welcome welcome to the Student-Centered World Podcast, where we talk about all things hands-on teaching and keeping your energy and sanity in the classroom. This teacher-turned-consultant is making it her mission to help as many teachers as possible become the best version of themselves and keep their passion for teaching on fire. It's her hope that we never forget why we desire to have a passion for educational progress. This This is Student-Centered World, and this is Jen Bry Soccer. Okay, so in getting started, can you take a couple of minutes and just tell everybody who you are, where you're from, a little bit about your teaching career? I would love to. I am Christy Hartley. I am from Clovis, New Mexico. I've lived here most of my life. I started my original career as an interior designer and once I had children volunteered at their schools so much that I decided that teaching probably was where I needed to be. I uh, They were Montessori for a while and I loved that and when we got to regular school or normal school right it was horrible yes and it, it I could not understand how we could teach that way still so I decided I would go back to school and see if there was another way to do it. And I volunteered at their schools and the teachers would say, you can't do that that way. And I would say, really funny that you're telling me that, that all four of my children have learned that way. And they're all four in gifted classes and they're all four leading with your test scores, but I can't teach that way. Right. So I went back to school and decided I would teach the way I wanted to. Good for you. (laughs) At the year that I graduated, the year that I started school, I started with a, a woman who was teaching, wanted to start an arts academy here in Clovis, wanted to teach using the arts. And luckily her husband was superintendent and they were able to get that done with a school that was failing. Okay. And she was one of my professors and loved my lesson plans and said, we need you. So I graduated and started there immediately and have been there ever since. Oh, that's fantastic. Like 20 years of that. Right. Because I, be- I mean, I like... I like that Montessori student-led type of thing. And now our arts academy is in a zone that it's not um, a magnet school anymore. So it's a little bit tougher to really teach that way. Sure. But we do it and we do it the best we can. And you can find ways. And we can find ways. And you know, when you close your door, sometimes you just close your door. No one has to know any different. <laughs> no, no. And, and our Arts Academy is in the, the lowest socioeconomic section of our town. Now, mind you, our town is only 36,000 people. Mm-hmm. So being the lowest is not the lowest as compared to some big cities. Sure. But it's low. I mean, it's what it is for our small town. Right. Um, we have both housing projects in the town. So whatever we can do for kids is more, is good, is good honestly, whatever we can do to help them learn, no matter what it is, is really good for them. 
Absolutely. And do you find that you've been having a lot of success with the more hands-on with those kids or are they, um, do they balk at it a little bit with they wanting more traditional because that's what the other teachers do or what have you kind of seen there? Um, it depends on, I mean, it really depends on, I, I find that there are some kids who really thrive with it. I guess maybe the same as anything else you do, the mm -hmm. learning styles of children. Some really, really thrive. I have noticed in the past that I have some who are considered gifted who want black and white and that's all they want and getting out of that is very difficult for them. Correct. And I have some who, some of my special ed kids who do a thousand times better with hands-on. So right. it just depends on the child every time. So I've gotten really good at letting, watching them for a little while and kind of letting them lead me into seeing what they do better and adjusting it that way. Yeah, giving the students the, I don't want to say control over the classroom because somebody will hear that and get very scared, <laughs> but certainly watching them and seeing what they adapt to best is phenomenal. And some of the hardest pushback I ever got from students were, again, some of those really high-flying kids that were very good at memorization and very good at being able to spit that information back, but weren't necessarily good at applying it. Right. That's exactly what I find is they, they, they were really, really good at reading a book and knowing every word in it, but then they didn't know what to do with it. Right. So I, I do a lot of, I did, I'm, I'm full on virtual now, but I do like cooking in class and I do a lot of things a little bit differently than some of the teachers do. Right. Like by cooking in class, I had, a, we had a big cook off, bake off last year. We did bre baked bread and then we had the other classes come test it to see which bread won and things like that just to not be doing the same thing over and over again. Right. And that's stuff that will have an impact on your students. That's things they're going to remember in years. They're going to say to their kids, I remember one time we baked bread in class and it was, you know. <laughs> well, and you, you hope that they understand why we did it. Right. Or, you know, we hope you understand the fractions of it and the science of it and all of that sort of thing. But if it's something that makes them want to come to school, Yes. And if it, eventually, I think that it works for them. Right. Eventually, I think they say, you know, going to school in this class is fun. So we go every day. Yeah. As soon as you get that buy-in, you can have them doing anything because they trust that you're going to make this some type of spectacular assignment for them. <laughs> well, you hope so anyway. <laughs> right, right. So. Yeah, I always um, laugh that when you have the, the students first buying in, it's almost like the stages of grief in the whole thing, that at first they think this is fantastic, we don't have to do work, as they say, because you're doing you know, these activities, and then they realize you have to be doing things in class every day, and they can't slack off and just sit back and take it in, they have to be right. active, but then as you see them, you know, one by one buying into the process, all of a sudden you have all of them, and you can have them trying anything and they're learning by accident like I like they to are. say because they don't realize what they're doing and they they have a hard time if you're doing it and it happens to be a science experiment and you're saying now we have to write up this science lab report from this and they think oh now we have to write right and you just have to figure out how to make that work for them and model it well and have them work in collaborative groups and it seems that they can do that just fine if you let them do that yes it's all about finding that balance for sure right. yeah I mean you have to I always said that with my kids, like sometimes we have to do boring things. There's things in the curriculum and things that I have to teach you that I can't make exciting, but it will always lead into something else or it'll be coming off of something else that, you know, get your hands dirty with it. And these kids are going into a world that's just so different than any of us ever dreamed it could be. You know, they're going to be vying for jobs that don't even exist yet. And they're all going to be 
ones where they need to know technology and they need to be able to think on their feet and take information and apply it. It's not the same industrial type jobs that there had always been over the years. It was always kind of like the same type of things. And then, you know, you had the boom of the factory system, which is when education started and it was train these people to know how to listen to instructions and do a task and then move on to the next thing. And that's not the world these kids are going into anymore. Well, and I, my husband and I had this discussion the other night because he said, you know, kids really need to be in school. And I said, you know, think back, you're 80 years old. Did you have to be in school? Did you learn at home? Did you go build a garden? Did you go build a birdhouse in the backyard? Did you do some things that you learned? Did you have to be in school to learn? And we talked about that for a little while because there is a way to learn without being in a structured environment like that. Absolutely. And, and me, we're both older and we decided that it would be better for me to virtually teach this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I, I did, I took your class and I took several others this summer to be prepared for that because I don't want to be that 61 year old teacher who had no idea about technology and how to make this work, right. how to blend and how to, you know, what, what was going to happen with us. And so I find that if I can blend it well, I can tell kids, all right, here's, here's my idea. What, what can we do to learn this particular standard? What, what do you need for this? Right. And I think it's so good that you were open to that because a lot of teachers that have been teaching for a long time, we'll say, are so resistant to change because they've done the same thing in the same way for so many years that they aren't interested in the new technology that's out there because what they've done is kind of always been fine. But you being open to trying to find the new methods and find things that are going to work are probably making your life a whole lot easier than it would have been if you were resistant to that. Well, I, I told my principal one day, she calls and checks on me regularly. And I, she said, how are you doing? And I said, I, you worry me calling me because you're making me anxious that I'm not anxious. Right. I mean, I feel fine. I feel like I'm doing what I can do. I, you know, I listen to all of you say, do half. Don't try to do everything. Right. Don't, I mean, go in depth of the one things, one or two things you are doing. Right. Don't try to, don't try to surface teach a thousand things. Mm -hmm. So I feel a whole lot better about that. And I feel like I learned it from three or four of you guys this summer who, who really beat that into me and said, there is no reason for you to take that standard and skim the surface of it and then get to another one very quickly. Right. So that feels good to me. Yeah. And especially if like can... I'm teaching with depth now. Right. Exactly. And if you can interconnect those standards and, you know, be killing two birds with one stone, pretty much right. trying to figure out. And when you're doing the hands-on lessons and, you know, when you're virtual, it's not necessarily hands-on, but, you know, the different simulations and whatnot, right. you are hitting multiple standards in one assignment. So you can well, say at any time, I did it and, you know, go to whatever. Well, you and that's, to. it's exactly what I do. And I, the thing that I find difficult is dealing with the administration part of it when they say, well, which standard are you doing? Or what are you going to put as a learning objective? Well, we're learning about 10 things in this. Right. Do you want them all? Or do you want me to just say students will be able to do blah, blah, blah? Right. Because learning objective to me, writing that on the board and saying, today we're going to do sentences with periods at the end. I think, oh yeah, we are, but we're going to do nouns and verbs and we're going to spell correctly and we're going to all the things that go with it. And we're probably writing about something that we, in science, or we're writing about something in social studies. or So we have too many things tied together to say that I'm sticking with that particular standard. Right. 
And the standards are tricky. When I was teaching, I was in New Jersey and I taught history and we had two sets of standards we had to do. We had to do the core content standards and then we had New Jersey state history standards. So you would have to like mishmash all these standards yep. together in every lesson, which is fine. But then you would have people telling you, well, you really should be mastering one standard per lesson. So there's not even enough days in the school year to do that if I'm really legitimately supposed to be hitting every single one of these standards. So if I can look at them all and say, all right, we're going to do a project and it's going to have this building piece, this writing piece, this talking piece, this interactive piece. Now I've just hit 20 standards in something that took me three or four days. Well, and I love that. And I don't know exactly, I'm still not at the point with all this yet where I can say, yes, my virtual students have mastered it. Right. But I can say they've been exposed to this. This is what it looks like. This is what the ones who are turning things in and talking to me regularly. This is what that looks like. Right. So, yes, they've been exposed. And yes, these are the standards that I'm doing. Right. I guess that's where I have the hardest time is saying, well, maybe they're not mastering them. I mean, they're doing them and understanding a little bit of what they're doing. Right. And right now we're recording this in October and it's still a, a big mishmash. Like there's no better way to say it. We don't know what's coming. Um, you know, some schools just started not that long ago because they did an extended summer in hopes that things would go back to normal. There's hybrid, there's distance, there's in-person depending on where you are. I don't think any kid is going to get a full educational experience like it would be in normal times this year, no matter what. I mean, as long, in my opinion, as long as they're doing the work, engaging, it seems like they're learning something. And on the flip side, their emotional state seems to be okay and their mental state is okay. That's really, really what I think we should be worrying about right now anyway. I agree with that. I, I find that I'm, I'm up to 25 students this week. Several have moved out of the cohorts that are in school, a couple of the hybrid AB model. Yeah. They've moved out. They've decided because New Mexico is a state that's in the horrible dark red of cases right now, right. that they've decided they don't want their child to be in school. Right. So my group is up. Um, I started the year with fourth grade and fifth grade and then had 40 kids before you could blink. Ugh. And they decided that was too much. So right. they took fourth grade and left me with fifth grade, which is fine. That's what I've taught forever and ever. Um, but I, the keeping the social emotional aside and I keep open office hours every day. And I, you know, I have a couple of times of meeting a week. I don't try to force any of it mm -hmm. because I don't know when they can be online. I don't know how right. good they're, they're, um, they may be using a hotspot or something like that. So some of them I don't see maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, but we stay in touch through email or we stay in touch through the stream of Google classroom. Um, and we, they do come into office hours maybe for two or three minutes and say, yes, I'm fine. I've got this. I just need this question or something like that. So it seems to be okay right now. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to possibly be doing it. I know there's a lot of teachers out there that are like, they're supposed to be logging in every day and they should be having this assignment completed. You can't do that right now. I mean, it's, it's hard enough to do that in normal school, making sure kids are turning in things and they're fully engaged in this and that, let alone right. when you have no idea what's going on at home and they're trying to do some type of traditional learning at home. And some of them may in fact be doing a lot with their families, learning things. I know with my own kids, we, you know, they never stopped going to school. They were virtual, but they still had to log in every day. And mm -hmm. We're in a situation where that was totally fine, but I was, you know, trying to garden with them and I, you know, my husband was showing them how to change a tire and stuff like right. that. Just 
I, I think that's one of those silver linings that there are a lot of blessings of my kids might not have learned how to do that until either later or maybe never because maybe we wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that. And I know there's a lot of stories out there where the kids, it's sad that they're home. There's certainly enough of that out there. But on the same token, a lot of kids are learning positive things about their families that they wouldn't have if everybody wasn't home. And I think there's just a lot of different ways to look at all of it. I, I do. I have a student who, who got to travel this year who would not have gotten to go with his parents somewhere. Yes. And they got to go visit some. And they, he mapped, he said, what homework do I need to do? I don't know if I'm going to have Wi-Fi. I said, you don't. You need to journal your trip. I need a journal of it. I need you to do the math, figuring your distance and mileage. I need you to figure out how much gas costs. I need you to think about decimals that way. I need to know what all the science is. You're going to Indiana or somewhere. And, you know, I need for you to think about what the difference in the rivers and the lakes and whatever that you are seeing that we're not going to see. That's what your learning process is going to be in the traveling of the whole thing. Well, it shocked he and his mother both, but they <laughs> came back with a great thing going on and he was able to you know, tie in with what we were doing and have great conversation with students who never have gotten out of Clovis ever. Right, right. So that whole learning process to me was a better learning process than anything I could have come up with. And that's fantastic. And that's something, you know, if it was literally in a journal, he will probably keep that forever. He, you know, that's, well, he came that. home and did it on Google Slides. Okay. And I told him, I, I said, if you're going to stay in Clovis, now those stay with you. If you guys move, I'll have to teach you how to get those out of mm -hmm. the district stuff and you'll have to be able to take them with you right. because they are something you can expand on in your school years from here on. Sure. You can make those something, a great story or a great, whatever you want to do with those, you can use them forever. That's amazing. I also saw um, a history teacher. She was teaching all virtually and she started traveling to the places that she was going to teach about. I, so, I heard you say that. I thought that was the neatest thing. Isn't I'd ever that seen. great? Before all of this went on hiatus, we, we had three fifth grade two fifth grade teachers and one who was a permanent sub because mm -hmm. we couldn't get a teacher. So for our reading block during the day, we would all 60 of the kids go in one room and we would read a novel every day, read part of a novel every day. For a while, we worked really hard at trying to go through Google Earth, Earth and putting the settings on that novel and following through with the whole thing for the kids so they could actually see where these children were traveling to or what was happening and what city they were actually living in. So we, we used the technology then. So I'm trying to do the same thing now, even though it's not on a whiteboard, I'm doing right. it online or virtually with the kids. Um, when we read something or when we talk about where it is, I'll say, let's get our Google maps out and, you know, look for that, or I'm, they're, they're telling me right now by their actions that they can't map. They can't tell me where something is in our small town. They can't guide me to it. Right. So I'm, I'm putting together some sort of a mapping lesson. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with Google earth and have them map their area That's and really tell me, idea. I mean, I just, I just have to figure out how to do it because in their actions, they don't know how to get around town. Right. You know, it's over there. Yeah. So I want to try to put together something they can use. I know when I did my Google classes this summer, the Google educator classes, that there's something in there. I just haven't gotten it all pulled back out again right. to put together. But it is definitely something I think would be feasible for them to, to enjoy. They could go, even right. if they just went out. And you, you know, even with a tape measure or with steps, knowing how big your steps are, you could kind of map something out yeah. and do some math with it also. 
And that's like a life skill. And it's something that will get them up and moving and not just sitting in front of a screen. Away from and, screens to yeah. try to get a little bit away from screens. So yeah, I find that a lot of the virtual teachers mm -hmm. are struggling with that because their school is saying, okay, you need to be actively teaching for X amount of hours or minutes or whatever it is. And I'm trying to explain that like actively teaching doesn't mean necessarily lecturing that to them the whole time. It could be, all right, everybody, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to go find something, you know, in your yard, in your house or whatever, come back here. And I want you to be able to talk to me about it, or we're going to go into a breakout room and you guys are going to discuss what you found. Like there can be ways to get them up and moving and not just having the blue light radiating their eyes for oh, hours and hours and hours. Exactly. It's, it's one of the things that we've talked about as a group is, is, and listening to you guys this summer in all the classes is exactly that. Why, how many hours, how many minutes did you actually stand in front of a class and teach when you were there for eight hours a day? Right. You didn't teach for eight hours. Right. I mean, they were out of your classroom for lunch and recesses and specials, first mm -hmm. of all. Right. You had bathroom breaks that took time in the day. And if you stood in the front of the classroom for an hour at a time, then you were not really teaching. Right. Because nobody was listening to you after 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> You are not wrong. You weren't even really listening to yourself. You sounded like Charlie Brown's mom. Right. I, I, it's one of the things I say, how long, think how long you taught before. Right. And think how long you really want to speak in front of people now. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and the kids are smart. They know how to split their screen and have you up, but have something over here and you can't tell the difference. And I mean, yes. Yeah. Well, I have that one who's really good at just staring at me for a while. Right. I, you, you have all of them and I just smile and, and I'm not the teacher who asks them to not put their cameras on. I, I just once in a while I'll say, let me see your face. Then you can turn it off if you want to. Right. But just let me see your face for a few minutes and we're good to go. Yeah. I personally struggle with the camera debate. I understand not requiring them because you never know again, what home is, where they are and, and you don't want anyone to get made fun of or anything. I understand that. But when I taught my hybrid class, I did have a moment where all of a sudden we realized a kid had turned off his camera and I mean, he was in high school, but literally left, like wasn't even there anymore. And the kids were friends with him, was able to track him down. He wasn't even home. So he had, you know, called into the class and wasn't there at all. Wasn't so I'm there. like, no, you know. Well, it, and that is a tough one, but it's one of those things that, is that the battle we want to fight? Right. Right now, I don't think so. Yeah. I, it's one of the bad, you know, when I think of everyday things I'm doing and and I think that from what I've learned this summer and what I continue to try to study and what I continue to listen to you and, and others, I just, I feel like I'm doing the best I can do mm -hmm. and I'm not going to beat myself up over it. Right. I'm presenting things to these students that they are going to eventually need. Right. And I can only ask so much of all of us. I think a lot of it comes down to how administrators are portraying or demanding, however you want to put it, what their expectations are. And I think some of them, they, they don't know the answers and they don't know what's coming and they don't know what the best option is. So they're trying to keep things normal, but you can't have things normal right now. So saying, you know, you have to be teaching for this many hours because normally in school you would be, but that's not, that's not what's happening right now. So I, a lot of it, I think, comes down to people 
being stressed out or worried that they're not going to do what is expected of them, but the expectation is also not being given out in a way that makes any type of sense with what we're dealing with right now. Well, and it, for me, it feels like that comes from above them probably. Yeah. Because we've been told for so long the way education is supposed to be because it's been that way for so long right. and nobody's wanted to really step out there. But now that door has been opened. And that's what I felt like this summer when I found your class and when I found Casey Bell's book and when I, you know, several people, I'm, I'm following Alice Keeler a little bit. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, all these things that I'm trying to stay up with, Caitlin Tucker, mm -hmm. I'm just people that I'm like saying, okay, why, why haven't these people been strong enough to push some of this through before now. Right. Well, then when I took the, the ISTE classes and realized there have been virtual schools for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Why are people so crabby about it when it's been going on for a long time? And there are students who thrive in this environment. Right. My son would have been one of them. Right. If I could have found that for him, it would have been the perfect thing for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's crazy. And, you know, there's people that they're just so adamant that this is putting our kids back years. They're never going to catch back up. They're going to catch back up because it's not kids that aren't resilient. It's adults. It's adults. Right. I agree. Mm -hmm. I yeah. totally. And I think that what are they going to catch up with? Every single country is going through this. Right. The world is going. Who do you want them to catch up with? Right. Yeah, they're still meeting the criteria. And if it happens to be that next year, I don't know, grade levels are just a little bit wonky because you're putting kids together, you know, that are on grade level, not on grade level. You know, that's been a big debate for years now. Do you have kids together that are different levels? Do you have kids together that are the same level? You know, there's pros and cons to both, but maybe we revisit that again next year to try to figure out what's the best way to catch all these kids back up. I mean, there's so many conversations to have. I would just like to hope that one day we actually get to that point <laughs> and that people want to have that conversation. And that we do something with it. Right. That we actually do something with it, that that conversation happens. And then we say, okay, why, like I have a group of we have an L, uh, uh, English language learners program that we mm -hmm. use at our school. Sure. And some of them are like level A, some level B, some level C. So we just decided among, among the third, fourth, and fifth grade teachers of us, if they are level C, put them with Miss Hartley. And I set up a Google Classroom for them. We're going to try. We're starting it tomorrow where some of them are A, hybrid A, some of them are hybrid B, some of them are full virtual, but our Wednesdays are open. So we're all gonna meet together on Wednesdays and we're all gonna start the lesson together on Wednesdays. The teachers, the kids, and we have, I think there are 13 of them. Mm -hmm. Now, if they all show up for this meet and we have four teachers in there, then we're doing this whole lesson together and then they can take it off and go with it what they need to with their A and B hybrids. Mm -hmm. And we meet again next Wednesday and see where we need to go with it from there. To me, I have third graders, I'll have fourth graders, I'll have fifth graders. It's all a lesson. We're using a dinosaur book. It's all a lesson about um, parts of speech, mm -hmm. basically, but we're doing it through a book. And we're using Google Sheets to list our parts of speech. And we're using Google Slides for everybody to add their own slide in to find a word they don't know and be able to give a definition of it and use it in a sentence and those sorts of things. So with 13 kids, if we get 13 slides and 13 new words, 
we're going to have something good going on. Right. And if they get X, I mean, I just think it can't hurt to have all those age groups together working on the same thing. Sure. Absolutely. I'm hoping that it will really be a cool thing and it would be something we could do forever. Even if you go back to school and kids open Chromebooks and a group of third, fourth, and fifth graders are in a reading group together that nobody really knows in that classroom, they're in that reading group together. Right. I think that makes sense for teaching instead of trying to differentiate a bunch of fifth graders in one room where everybody knows who's in the blackbird group or the bluebird group. Right. And I, I agree with that. You know, I always felt that, and you know, I've had this debate with people that in order to help a child, you need to meet them on the level that they are. But a lot of it came down to stereotypes and you don't want, you know, certain kids to know that other kids are, but when you're on the computers, nobody knows unless they tell each other. Exactly. And that's, I mean, one of the things you said, one of the things Alice Keeler says is put everything on, on your computer, on whatever LMS system you're using, put everything on there because then they're reading directions on their own and you, you're not trying to be up there doing it. So all the other kids don't know which directions they're reading. Right. So to me, that's the way, what I learned from you guys that, I mean, and you were one of the one, not everybody needs the same directions. Right. Yeah, and so then you have hurt. programs like Newzella that they all have the same article, but it's it's got the different Lexile levels. Yeah, so you levels. can say, okay, you three, here's your link. You guys, here's your link. And when you do it in Google Classroom, nobody knows what link they're nobody getting. Knows. The kids no. just know they get a link. They're not going to compare links and be like, wait a second, yours has a Q here and mine has an N here. They're not going to notice that. They, they just click that. the link and they go in and it's where they need it to be. It's the same. ReadWorks does that where I could uh, give some of them. I mean, they all wore their headphones, but I could, some of them could have the audio version of it and some of them could have the Spanish version of it and some of them. So for me, those kinds of programs that I found several years ago and used in the classroom were great. Right. Getting, getting validation through your class, getting validation that this stuff is really not bad <laughs> makes me so much happier teaching yeah. this year. Yeah. I mean... I've noticed that teachers who have dabbled in this at some form before have had easier times adapting to whatever crazy has been laid before them. It's not easy for anybody, but if you have found programs before that you're like, wait a second, I can do this online, or now I can do this through the computers, or the kids can be at home and in school working on it together because they're all on this platform. It just makes a huge difference. And it's the, the teachers that are still trying to teach traditionally through whatever this method is that is laid before them are the ones that are having a really tough time with it. I think so. And I think there are moments, truly moments that I think, okay, should I do it this way or should I do it this way? Because my traditional self comes through also. Right. I mean, at 61 years old, you look at it or 60 years old, you look at it and go, oh, oh should, it, should I change this? And then I think of my own children who are so advanced in technology and what they're doing and who they globally speak with daily on things. And I right. think, oh my gosh, how can I hold these students in Clovis, New Mexico back Right. from that privilege. Yes. How can I possibly allow myself to hold them back from the privilege of getting to know other countries and cities and other states in our country and actually knowing people from there? Mm -hmm. Like we so have the world at our fingertips right now and not, I mean, obviously you can't do everything every single day, but not trying to push your students in that direction is just doing them a disservice because they're going to have to know how to do some of this in order to function in the world 
when they go out into it. And for us not to at least be dabbling in it a little bit, it's just doing them a disservice. Well, I'm, I love hearing you say that because in my heart, that's the way I feel. Yeah. And I mean, there truly are times that I look at it and think, am I doing the right thing? And then, and then I'll, and I'll have a mom say, I don't even get your directions. I said, did you listen to them or read them? Which, you know, which, cause I do a verbal, I mean, a screencast and a regular directions. Right. I just need you to do it with me right here online. Perfect. Call me, tell me what day you want me to meet online and I'll walk through the directions with you. Right. That's the privilege of doing this is I have three or four ways to help you with that. Right. And that's huge. It feels that way to me, but I, I don't know. <laughs> No, I mean, that's, that's it. That's the, the direction that education is heading in everything. I almost feel like, you know, this was kind of the universe coming together and saying, all right, we need to find a way to propel everybody forward. We need to find a way to get everybody on the same page. And at the same time, to mark the disparities that are out there that have been shoved under the rug now for however many years that we've been pretending that these issues don't exist. Well, now they're out there and people are talking about them. So if nothing else, at least there's that. Well, and the, I mean, the United States, I, I'm telling you, I live in Podunk, USA. It is a very small town. It right. is in the whole United States. We've had stuff going on here forever and ever and ever. And you're right. We have pushed a lot of things under the rug, but that needed to stop a long time ago. Right. So it is nice that some of it's, I mean, some of it's opened some eyes. Some of it, people are just saying, well, that's just the way it is. Right. And I think, oh, stop with that. I'm working on elections in fifth grade. I mean, I'm trying to teach them what that whole, the electoral college process is very hard to teach. So right. we're, we're, we, in fact, I'm skipping it this week. We had a data day yesterday, so I only have four days. Okay. And I said, you know, I'll, we'll get back to that. Let's get mm -hmm. back to it next week when we have all week and then two days and then we're all going to vote and we're all going to, you know, we're all going to follow the map and do all of that on voting day. Love it. So you know that I may just leave a Google classroom open and let them come in and out and talk about it all day long. Yeah. Because to me, that's what that day is all about. Right. Watching it on TV, keeping up with the news, watching those polls happen. And keeping them factual, making sure they're using yes. facts to back up what they're saying. Yes. And I, if, if it's an all day Tuesday social studies day, it will be. And Sure. here's my problem is figuring out, okay, how do you grade that? Do you give everybody a hundred for participation? Do you get, you know, it's, and I don't like old fashioned grades. So right. now I have to go through figuring that mess out. I mean, you could probably create some type of rubric that's basically oh, yeah. participation based, you know, that's, that's probably exactly what I'll do is go yeah. through it. Did you participate? Out. Check. <laughs> Were you yeah. there? Check. <laughs> Yeah. Did you, did you participate enough that you had good thought process and were yeah. able to back yourself, have right. good supporting details with what you're doing? That's what you have to do. Did you back yourself up with facts? Well, I just, when you're virtual and you don't get to see them, but a little bit at a time and, but you leave something open like that all day long, I think that they'll participate and be able to do something fun with it. Right. We'll see. And you know what, if it doesn't work out, oh, well. The next day you just move on you to something what? else. That's, I finally, I think that's the age. I think it's the years of teaching that you finally get to the point and say, I'm not going to do it right every day right. and every time. No. So I, this is my idea. And if it works, it works. If a kid comes up and says, Hey, Miss Hartley, if we do this, will this work better? Well, let's try it. Yeah. 
Exactly. Open to doing that. You got to be open to try it out and know that maybe something won't work. And, you know, I say that in the course a hundred times that most of the time when people try something, if it doesn't work the perfect way you envisioned it the first time, they throw it out and go back to what they're used to because you think that you're a failure because teachers are perfectionists. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't great. It just means that something had to be changed or tweaked or the kids weren't used to it yet. There's so many different options there. So many options. And I think I think I got from you, from your class, one of the things I got from your class is, is that deal of kids fighting back with their own, I mean, you telling me they just backed up and yeah. didn't want to do that. Right. And so now I'm, I push them a little bit and I go, okay, so what's the way you would do it then? And I get a little bit more response. Right. Oh, I get what you're saying now. Right. And they'll try, they'll buy in a little bit better. Yep. It, it's, it's little tiny pieces of buy-in that all of a sudden you realize they're all in and that's all you can ask for. One of, yeah, one of the things I did this year, I, I have a group that's a pretty high group and I, I tried to present them a project to do on their own and it, it was too deep. It was mm-hmm. too much for this group because they haven't been in school in a long time. They didn't know how to do a few things and they didn't know how to come and ask me. Mm-hmm. Even though we would meet regularly, they didn't know how to ask me for help. So we right. scrapped it. I mean, we just scrapped it and I excused them from some other things that, that the other groups did and thought, yeah you're brighter than that anyway. So I don't need to worry about that grade on that particular subject or that particular thing. So I'll just excuse you from that part and we'll work on it the next time. Yep. It felt a little weird at first. Right. I mean, it, it goes did. against everything we've ever been taught to do. That's why. Right. But none of us really, I mean, they didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Their parents didn't know what to do. It was better just to scrap it and start over. Yep. And I thought, you know what? We all had a learning process out of that. None of us failed. Right. We just had a great learning process out of it. Right. I mean, if so, it's not an end of unit assessment, standardized something, it's not a big deal. You're as the teacher, you can throw a grade out and say, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> well, and I don't, I don't know that I would have done that without all the, the class this summer. I uh-huh. don't know that I would have been able to say, huh, big deal. Right. It's a mindset shift. It's all a mindset shift. And it's not all there yet. Let me tell you, that's what I was saying. It's not totally shifted yet, but it is coming along very strongly at this point. And just like I said with the kids, your brain will buy in a little bit more, a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you're going to be like, oh, let's just try this. (laughs) That's that's kind of where I am. I'm getting to that point. Hey, let's try it and see if it works. I'm, we've, we've just finished some pre standardized testing, whatever that everyone thinks that, you know, you continue to have to do during all this. And I think really what assessment is going to make any big difference right now? Right. Supposedly formative. They haven't been in school since March. They haven't been around, you know, I mean, just things they haven't done, but I did them and I actually was not disappointed in my results. Good. So I said, here's what I'd like to do with you guys. I'd like for you, I'd like to meet with you one-on-one with your scores. And I'd like to just to have a little narrative form. We fill out and say, what am I going to do with this now? Where do I take this now? What, what do I need to do to be better at? And what am I already great at? And where can I, what can I do with it? Love it. So that's our next step. We're going to start those little meetings tomorrow. I said, it probably won't take us 15 minutes a piece, but I'd like to take your scores and meet with you on those things. Yeah. And those so. are the things that you have the luxury of doing while you're virtual for sure. Cause you can meet with them whenever. And those are the conversations that are meaningful because it's not just you learn something and you move on. You're now asking them, how are you going to apply it? What can you right. do with it? And that will stick with them more. Plus they'll feel that they have the choice in deciding what they're going to do. 
Well, I hope so. And I, you know, of course, they'll invite, invite their parents to be in there also, mm-hmm. whichever parents would like to be. But I just feel like it does give them that voice in their learning from the next. And, and we're starting our brand. This is the brand new term. We're mm-hmm. starting today with our brand new term. So this is the time to go through that and say, all right, what do you want by Christmas? Right. What do you, where do you want to be? What, you know, what kind of goals do we need to reset? And a lot of them might hesitate because they've never been asked a question like that before. It's never, I mean, you could ask a senior in high school that question and they will hesitate because nobody's ever given them the opportunity to have a say before. So if that happens, don't panic or say, well, maybe we shouldn't, you know, drive them a little more, push them a little bit more to engage that conversation. And then you'll probably get something really great out of the kid that hesitates. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to, because I am not a goal setter. I'm not that kind of person. I just kind of do what I'm going to do all the time. And that's what I'm going to do. My dad used to wake us up and say, today's going to be a happy day. I mean, that was, it was just what it was going to be. Right. So that's the way I am. So I have to push that goal setting also. So I will, I mean, it'll be fun to kind of mess with it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And a new thing. If it doesn't work with everybody, it won't work with everybody. Right. But if it does with a few and they can take it and do something with it from here on, you win. And I'll feel like we win. Right. Exactly. And those kids will start conversing with the other kids. And then the next thing you know, oh, well, maybe I, it's, it's, a, it's a snowball. Hopefully it's that snowball thing. Yep. So Love it. it is a silver lining. A silver lining of virtual teaching is you get, when you do get one-on-one time with somebody, you get true one-on-one not messed with anybody else. You're not looking over their shoulders. When you have, I have these small groups and when they come together as small groups, I'm not looking over to see what the other groups are doing or who's not, who's messing around in the classroom or who's doing whatever. My small groups get work done. Right. We really learn something in those moments we're together. Yep. And I, I think that silver lining, if nothing else is awesome. Yeah. I mean, and it's like I said, it's a horrible time and it's very stressful no matter, you know, how many years you've been teaching, but there are, if you take a step back, there are so many good pieces that are coming out of it. So it's not all, you know, awfulness. There are good things that are coming out of it. And you just, you have to be one of those kind of mindset people, I think, who looks at that side of it. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are things that I don't know that are happening at home that I'm silver lining over. Right. And that's always going to be the case for sure. But I think that's probably the case even with kids come to school because I don't nose into their lives when they're at school. Right. I I wait for them to tell me. I don't try to bug them. So until they tell me, I probably don't know it. Right. Absolutely. All right. Is there any advice that you would like to give a teacher who is trying to do it all right now? Stop. Cut it in half. <laughs> Love it. Cut it in half. No matter what you think you're doing, cutting in half. Turn your computer off at 4.30. Mm-hmm. Don't turn it on till 7 in the morning. Ignore everything else because I guarantee you they're ignoring you. Right. But they are. They are. They have their own lives. They don't want. Stop trying to do everything. I, I hear my words coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I turn, I mean, you're, I just turn mine off at four 30. Mm-hmm. I talked to a mom today. I said, you are welcome to call me until four 30. You're welcome to call me at seven in the morning. I'm not going to answer you otherwise. Right. They can just leave not. a message. They can do anything, but I mean, I'll, I, check that's my email. A, I'll, I'll answer your email seven in the morning. If it's there waiting for me, I will do it. Right. And that's a boundary people have to set, but Again, that's something that I've gone off on <laughs> multiple well, times. I'm, I'm probably the worst. I like writing my lesson plans 
on the weekend. I mm-hmm. like that because I was always I that way too. think about it and get out of the way of everything else. Right. There are days now that I can maybe get a language lesson plan written or a, a unit thing done during the day, but I answer emails all day long. I'm available to kids all day long. It's easier to me to write them on the weekend. Yeah. And it doesn't take that long because I kind of have it planned. Right. Sure. So yeah. anyway, I would just say do half of what you think you need to do because they're only doing half. And, and not in an, I don't mean that in a negative way. Right. I, they're doing what they can do. They're right. doing as much as they can do. So you need to just stop. Right. Yes. Love That's it. my piece of advice. I love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. And I also love hearing my own words. <laughs> Well, awesome. I learned something this summer. If Good. Else, I learned a lot from you. Awesome. Anyway. Well, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for chatting. You're very welcome, and I enjoyed it.